are elite. For everything you need to know about Mercedes Monet's AEW debut, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Anyway, <laughs> commit to the song. Hey, I'm ready. Right foot back begins with a U. It ends with an A. Has a meal dish up there. Monday Night Raw number one. All right. Welcome everyone to the Cultaholic Classic Raw review. As the other Cultaholic lads are hunkered down ready for a WrestleMania so big it must go on two nights. We are here via our Ica Pro Power DeLorean back in the era where Bruce Hart's, Bruce Hart's ego was so big it had to fill two minutes. And who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, former cultaholic heavyweight champion Tom Campbell. I am with the bear in the big blue barcade, the head pen of cultaholic. If he was to say, if you were to say to him, here is a pencil. He'd say, no chance. I'm going to snap it in two. And then I've got a pencil that's too big for one implement. And then he'd use a pen because he gets it right every time. He is Justin Henry. And he has absconded to off of America. I've been off of America. Where have you been? <laughs> you are locked down in America having a lovely time, aren't you? Well, I wouldn't say locked down. I'm mostly just... It's mostly self-seclusion, I'd say. I think it's it's quite telling when the self-isolation thing, the lockdown came in, as to uh, who were who were who were pretty antisocial amongst us. Like like for me, the idea of having a week, and I'm I like going out with people and seeing stuff. The idea of having a couple of weeks where I just sit at home and don't see anybody, <laughs> bring that on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd be better if it was like the winter time. Good pick. Because I'm more secluded in the wintertime anyway because it's, it's freaking cold here. Yeah, but, that's I mean... it. That's, if it's this, as the summer's rolling around, it's tougher. I heard somebody say yesterday, and I feel like it was on the radio, somebody said this weekend will be beer garden weather. Um, <laughs> don't think it will somehow. <laughs> well, I mean, it could be, could be beer living room weather. <laughs> it's beer sit on your sit on your Juliet veranda weather. <laughs> It's um, yeah, it's getting a little, it's gonna be a little bit rougher as it gets warmer out. But I mean, I still take walks. I just don't interact with people at this point. And how has that changed your life normally? <laughs> um, well, like, well, I'm not going to Denny's as much. Uh, <laughs> a Denny's delivering. That, a Denny's delivering. Uh, well, they did Grubhub for a while, but they stopped. I have no idea why. Oh. Although I probably should get, I probably should, probably should see if there's any like a DoorDash option or whatever, but. I need my Denny's. I need my skillets. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of things like that that I'm missing. I'm miss. I'm. 
I'm I am missing like going out and having a nice meal. Like it was our it was our anniversary the other night. Mm-hmm. Good lady, which we both Happy anniversary. Which, thank you very much. We both forgot, which was re- a relief to everybody. <laughs> well, relief to you because she forgot too. Yeah. Oh God, man, I'm over the moon. Like she, we just woke up. The, we woke up yesterday morning, or fr- woke up Thursday morning, and she said, "Just realised yesterday was our anniversary." I was like, "Was it? Oh God." And she's like, oh, no, don't worry. I forgot as well. Oh, okay, that's fine. So I'm not in trouble. No, no, you're not in trouble. Oh, okay, I'll cook dinner later. How's that? All right, fine. <laughs> so we'll do something to mark it. But gosh, we've just been so wrapped up in the event of the world. We both of forgot our anniversary. Madness. See, so you got a mulligan out of it. Really got a proper mulligan. And an O'Hare. Anyway, we are back in 1994, where the world was a little bit more simple. Where and when are we for Cultaholic Classic Raw Review this week, Justin Henry? It is Monday, August the 8th, 1994. This episode was taped one week earlier from the Beagley Center in Youngstown, Ohio. Talking of tapings, this week WCW were taping worldwide. Some uh, some notable things that took place there. Hulk Hogan oh. was all over the shop. You'd be surprised mm-hmm. to know. Hulk Hogan is very much the flavor of the month at WCW. Um, it was at these worldwide tapings that we saw the debut of the Honky Tonk Man. Oh, I wonder what company this feels like. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like Hogan's bringing his mates in. Uh, do you remember the ill-fated feud the Honky Tonk Man was going to have in WCW? Well, I know he fished off with Johnny B. Bad for a little while. Well, um, Was there a different one that I'm not thinking of? You are correct. It was indeed Johnny B. Bad. And in terms of for a little while, it was literally a couple of weeks, if, if that. Um, he uh, They kind of went back and forth for a bit. And then what ended up happening was Johnny B. Bad and Honky Top Man were set to fight, I think, at Starcade or Halloween Havoc. Well, they did face, well, they did face off a Havoc in the opening match. I actually just watched that the other day while I'm doing my Conrad and Tony binge-watching. Nice. They were meant to have a rematch in which uh, Johnny B. Bad beats Honky Top Man. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Honky refused to do the job. Yeah, so Honky was gone. So thanks for coming, Honky. See you down the road. Um, Ron and Don Harris were in WCW at this point. They were at the Worldwide tapings. I forgot they had a run with WCW this early on. Oh, they had a run everywhere. They did, but they were... The most noticeable thing they did in this particular set of tapings was they got squashed by Hulk Hogan and Sting in double quick time. Sounds fascinating. It really, really was. Uh, How about this, then? Away from World Championship Wrestling. Okay. We are at a triple A IWC show at the Los Angeles Sports Arena. The star of the show, unsuspectingly, was a diminutive teenager, writes Dave, who is one of the best flying wrestlers in the US or any country he decides to step foot in the hemisphere. Two nights earlier... At a television taping in Tijuana, he overshot Juventud Guerrero on a flip dive and crashed onto the floor. And it looked like he had broken his back. He wound up being carried from the ring while his brother and his mother freaked out about him backstage. I've seen this guy take planned bumps that would put a normal human being in a wheelchair and sell them big to lose matches and be just fine at the end of the night without even a major bruise. But this, by his own admission, was the most painful injury of his career. Two nights later, he was back in the ring, not only wrestling like nothing was wrong, not only doing all the high-risk spots, showing only the slightest indication of his injury, but also he stole the entire show. Name the teenager Justin Henry. 
Ludwig Borga. <laughs> you nailed it! It was yes. Borgs! <laughs> I'd do a backbreak spot. <laughs> if it wasn't Borga, who else could it be? I'm going to guess Rey Mysterio. It was indeed Rey Mysterio Jr. Well done. We're finally, hit, finally hitting the point where he hits his rise. <laughs> He's finally on the way up, and he really jumped out at people at this particular moment. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> um, so those are the only real highlights from the uh, from the Observer this week, from what I read. So it's a slightly quieter one, but it means that we can get into the meat and potatoes of Monday Night Raw for 1994. Well, well, I did find some stuff in the WWF part of the um, Observer Notes. Okay. And Johnny Polo is still working for WWF, but no longer as on-air talent. What is wrong with them? <laughs> oh, so what's he doing? I think he was working like in production at that point. Infuriating. Somebody, somebody with, with more charisma than most of the roster. It's just... Oh, uh, yeah, pretty much. Oh, hey, speaking of charisma, it, this is an actual sentence that Dave Meltzer wrote. Tell me what you think of this. Okay. <laughs> Bruce Hart was great on the Raw interview. <laughs> I think Dave was tired when he wrote that. Well, maybe he meant great as an excessive. <laughs> he, was, he was great in metaphorical stature. <laughs> and according to this, despite all the rumors of the contrary, including those printed here, Titan has not even contacted Chris Benoit as of this past weekend. Oh, okay. So there was talk that Benoit had been approached. So that's not the case. Yeah, and, and given um the dearth of talent they had at this point, you wonder why. Well, besides the lack of height. Well, I think that that is the big point, isn't it? That's the um the, the it's funny. Like this is weird how sometimes little things contrast with the other podcast that I do, uh, the SmackDown, the Cult Olic Classic SmackDown review with Matthew Gregg, where we are in the year 2000. They've just brought Taz in. And uh, it's almost as if Vincent Mann has just realised how short Taz actually is. <laughs> uh, he's uh, he's quite diminutive for he, a badass wrestler. He really is. And and he sta- it starts well, but it's going to go downhill very quick. But that's not for us to talk about here. That's for the other one. We're here talking about Monday Night Raw from 1994. Was there any other bits from the Observer that you clocked from this time before we go deeper underground? No, I'm ready to jump into the other half of what what started out as a great TV taping and turned into, well, we'll find out in a bit. It turned into mulch very quick. Yes. Um, last week we had Sean versus Razor in a 23-24 minute match. We had a fast-paced Blaze versus the Kano match. We had sped up action for the rest of that of that hour for the taping. And then we come to this, which I can say, t- to its credit, it was not rushed. <laughs> it certainly wasn't. It certainly hit its mark with a steaming pile of you-know-what. <laughs> we start out with a vignette involving doctors. And I was confused when I saw this. It's three... It's the point of view of a patient. It's three doctors standing over him doing a surgical procedure. When all of a sudden they realize it's 9 o'clock and Raw is on. Well, I think someone alerts him over the intercom, some woman. And they all turn to the TV, and basically they let the man die because they're too busy watching Raw. Well, that's how great Monday Night Raw is, and doctors love it so much they're happy to let a patient die. Well, uh, I mean, I, I found it this 
disturbing, but then I realized that probably wouldn't happen today in today's medical climate because nobody's watching Raw at all. <laughs> as, the as the ratings for the go-home Raw indicated. Oh, tough. What'd you put that down to? Uh, well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of half baffled because everyone's supposed to be home, but I think there's two factors in play here. One, people have 24-hour cable news channels on all day because they want updates on what's going on, which is why you see the news dominating the ratings because whether you watch Fox News or CNN or whatever whatever you happen to watch, you might have it on 24-7. I know my mom's a big news watcher. She, I'll go over there and show the TV on, on, on her channel 24 hours a day. And it's just that's just how it is. I I think more people more people because they want to know, you know, the latest whatever's going on, you, you know, a death toll for whatever state or 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 whatever's going on in their state. They just happen to have TV on all day. And the other is we're all showing a bunch of um, archive footage in lieu of new content because you have to fill three hours somehow, and that's turning people off. Mm, possibly, I think it's a, the, a big part of it is that I think as well. As well as what you say there, and the rolling news is pulling people away. Um, yeah, very much a case of the the intrigue is over, like the intrigue of the empty arenas and stuff. Uh, there's that, but I mean, I was a bit surprised that Dynamite fell this week. Even though I, I think I could ch probably chalk that up to just no major matches were announced, and they are working with their skeleton crew, so it's not like you know you have. You know, Moxley doing a match this week or whatever. And it was a it, very simple, very straightforward episode of Dynamite. I mean, I still enjoyed it. It was just very simple. Next week, genuinely, I believe if NXT can't win the ratings next week, then there's no point. Because next week they've got a ladder match and an empty building match. And they've heavily hyped both. Yeah, but it's... I don't know. If, if, if it takes that to win one week, it, it's just one week isn't it yeah exactly it should be there should be more conceited efforts to turn it around but either way but anyway we're not talking nothing to talk about 2020 it's too much too many viruses around in 2020 we we're back in 1994 where where the medical industry aren't so much baffled by the by the covid19 outbreak they're more baffled with macho man randy savage's commentary and, and the ted dibiase outbreak because he was all over the show <laughs> four matches he's involved in three of them He's he is a busy boy tonight. This was the Ted DiBiase show. It's the Ted DiBiase show. It's the new generation era. <laughs> so, so, so we have a Luger in action tonight in singles competition. We have Tatanka and Doink versus the Million Dollar Corporation, which is Bigelow and IRS. King's Court with brothers Owen and Bruce Hart debating each other. Mm. That's when I wrote my notes. Oh, this show. <laughs> See, I didn't, I didn't know this was coming because these are all new episodes of Raw to me. This is the big gap mm. in my knowledge. So when I saw Bruce was on there, I thought, oh, this will be good. Bit of Bruce action. Oh, mate, what I got was beyond my wildest dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I warned you. Oh, you did. And I didn't adhere to the warning. But we start off with SummerSlam main eventer, the Underfaker, taking on Butch Banks. Uh, Butch, now, Butch Banks, FYI, uh, you may know as Hardcore Craig. And he still wrestles to this day. He had a match back in January for Brew City Wrestling. No, I don't know him as that. <laughs> what do you mean you don't know Hardcore Craig? Everyone knows Hardcore Craig. 
Hardcore Holly's brother. Was that Craig from South Park doing Hardcore Holly's gimmick? He <laughs> <laughs> well. Okay, good for him. He's still going. I'm happy for him. <laughs> I'll tell him. Okay, so... This is interesting here because you can tell Vince has already given up on Underfaker. You just listen to the commentary. He informs us that we're, that we're only going to see a Taker versus Taker one time. See, even he knew. He knew he, that he was going to be gone. Yeah, I think what happened was he came out of the courthouse, a renewed man, said, well, let's look over my company here and see what we have. And then he looked at this and realized how stupid it was after being isolated from the company for however long and said, kill it. <laughs> of course. So he wouldn't have been around, would he, for the majority of the build for Undertaker mm. versus Undertaker. But even he knew at this point, the guy who was approving um, Bastion Booger and all these other characters is looking at this and saying, yeah, this is death. We got to get rid of it. First opportunity. And they're barely even cloaking Brian Lee at this point. Like, his pudgy face is visible. His tie looks so cheap. It looks like Taker's tie, but, like, smaller and cut off. Like, it's almost like a Halloween costume version of The Undertaker. I mean, it's still a nice costume, but it's eh, it's not Mark Calloway. And you can absolutely tell at this point. Yeah, you, you. it's very obvious now. But I think maybe they, see, maybe they want it to be a bit more obvious now. Maybe, because I think they've given up on it. Yeah, just because uh, obviously now they know that there is another Undertaker and we're going to see that. So maybe it's letting the letting the veil slip a little bit just so we know who to cheer. I do think it's funny, though, that Brian Lee always has to wrestle with his neck tilted just to make sure his hair is covering his face at all times. Yeah, that's a weird one. Like, if someone super kicked him and he had to fall down, he, he wouldn't rock his head back. He'd just, like, turn and do, like, a tumble. Just to make sure you couldn't tell it was him. Yeah, that was uh, that was a weird one. That was, I, and I guess it's just him trying to over, overly trying overly hard to try and emulate <laughs> the Undertaker. Well, I don't think it's that at all. I think it's just he's, he's making sure his hair covers his face at all times. Mm. Yeah, so yeah. He has to move around the, in, 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 the, in the sort of inhuman fashion. He should just like duct tape his hair to his face. I genuinely don't think he's a te- like okay he's not he's not spot on with the Undertaker but and he's not bad I don't think he's bad like it's not the best the angle's a bit crap but he's he's doing a good cosplay of the Undertaker I'd well, have a photo with him if we were at a convention you can have a photo with him and even Colter Mike Austin exactly and the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> it's the attitude error all come together oh exciting so a lot of choking in this match because Brian Lee can perform that move with his hair over his face there's, there's a point in this match where Brian Lee gets this very half-assed looking snapmare where he like refuses to like tell his body at all so Banks has to take this bomb like on, on this bizarre side angle and Lee barely does anything so just, what do you call that and Vince goes Domination. <laughs> Do you want to name a move at all? <laughs> Figure finishes with a choke slam. No head snap on the pin. Like, no. You know, flick the hair back and roll the eyes back. We're not getting that. No, 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 no. <laughs> he just keeps his head down the entire time. 
as we're trying to pull off this ruse. Keep your head down, which so, is the which is the best advice anybody could ever offer him right now. Just keep your head down. <laughs> we'll get through this. You're gonna get a pay pay per view payoff for this. I wonder if Faker got for that pay per view. I reckon he got half what Undertaker did. <laughs> and a perfect world, probably, but hopefully it was nice just for your know, main eventing. It would have been a good kickback. <clears throat> Let's hope. So after the match, DiBiase pulls out the body bag. And they're about to bury this guy alive. And Vince, Vince pitches it to a lesson of some vignette while they're killing a guy. Yeah, they seem to move. They move on from this very quickly. Like, they don't want to... Sure? They suddenly realize, actually, we shouldn't show a guy going into a body bag. Are we sure Butch Banks is still alive in 2020? <laughs> well, if if he's not, then uh, we know where he is. He's in a bag somewhere. He's in a bag. A giant shake-and-bake bag. <laughs> put, him in the, put him in the oven for a... 30 minutes, and you always have a lovely dinner. John, don't, don't. Actually, John, no. It's, you'll, you'll get kicked <laughs> off Twitter. Speaking of death, we go to the Leslie Nielsen vignettes. Oh, mate. So this is this is sad. <clears throat> now, we, I'm going to say this even though I've said it ad nauseum on this show. I love Leslie Nielsen. I think we have to always remind people <clears throat> that we are fans of Leslie Nielsen. The Naked Gun movies, Airplane, some of the funniest movies ever. The man is a the man is a brilliant deadpan comic, but my God, this material they've given him—it's him in front of a green screen in various settings, like the desert and wherever else. He's trying trying to find. I I don't know what, he, what the hell he's looking for. Like, like it's like both takers in the same place at the same time. Like, like where the hell's he going? Yeah, it's the, the and then the the joke at the end is criminally <clears throat> unfunny. He says, "Well, all turns have reached a dead end." And shows him at a dead end sign, like a dead end street sign. It's like you beat the hit the joke over the head. Hmm. Now you just know that Bruce, Pat, and Dunn all high five each other when he came up with that one. You know that, yeah, they were like, yeah, we've written, we, this is like the naked <clears throat> gun. It's not like, this is, this is criminally unfunny. <laughs> you, why don't you just get some writers in to write these bits? Because they're not funny. I'd rather naked gun than naked done. Hey! John, do not Photoshop that. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's just, it's almost maddening just how insulting this is. It really is. It's almost like they've just gone, hey, Leslie Nielsen's there, that's fine. As, as long as people see Leslie Nielsen, they'll laugh. No, this isn't funny. I mean, there are, like, bad wordplay puns in Naked Gun, like in the first one, when he sneaks into Ludwig's apartment to try and find evidence of, um, what are, the plot to assassinate the queen. He sees something goes, bingo. He pulls up, it's a bingo card. Like, it isn't the best joke in the world, but it's funnier than dead end. It's funnier than a sign saying dead end. Somebody's been told to write like Leslie Nielsen films, and they're not doing a very good job. It's like I wrote it. <laughs> That's what I would have come up with, actually. I think you did so better. That's to... eh, debatable. So we come to arguably the best part of the show, which is footage from the Heartbreak Hotel from Superstars. With Shawn Michaels interviewing Lex Luger, Shawn carries this show even though he's not even on it. He really does. Like a wonderfully, wonderfully OTT performance by Shawn Michaels. 
<laughs> Michael's archive footage is better than anything on the show. So Sean's Sean's trying to interrogate Luger about the, about this whole "have you sold out" deal, and Sean, of course, is is playing circumstantial evidence. Like, so you haven't even talked to Ted DiBiase, have you? Of course I talked to him. Aha! 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 Like, like, like freaking close. So, so he's like, so, so he's saying, so you're saying he never even made you an offer? Well, yeah, he made me an offer, but ah! Ha, ha, ha. That's, that's, well, obviously, obviously we know what that means. Sean used the phrase two cats rapping at one point. I think Sean had the extra refreshment before that taping. I think he might have done. <laughs> I quite like the phrase two cats rapping. <laughs> it's like get, it's like get the cat excited, but but more cokey. <laughs> You're gonna get my cat excited. <laughs> I, I could see Sean saying that. <laughs> so has Lex Luger sold out? We're gonna find out uh, very soon. Here's the thing, though, with the Lex Luger Tatanka story is it pretty much plays out in in a sitcom style. Whereby it's like Tatanka keeps catching Lex Luger in compromising positions. You know, it will be like it's like a sitcom where they go, where the wife goes, "Now whatever you do, husband, don't have intercourse with your receptionist again." She leaves the office, and then the receptionist walks in. She spills tea down her blouse, so she takes her blouse off to dry it. She then drops the cup over the table so she leans over the table to get it and as she does like the 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 man slips over a banana peel and ends up right next to the the receptionist's backside and then the wife walks in and goes what are you doing after everything i told you um there's a mitchell and webb sketch called get me hennemore which pretty much sums up those types of situations in comedies and this is what this feels like it's a bad version of get me henemore because it's tatonga constantly catching lex in compromising positions and at no point over the last three weeks has lex luger between episodes of raw said uh Tonka, mate, can I just have a word? Because I'd like to explain these situations to you and reassure you that I've not sold out. But he hasn't at any point. He's kept it so vague that even we don't know it. It's like season five, Frasier. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> these tall sound and crimson. His grandma legs are too hot, Billy. You know who I am? <laughs> They're calling again. Tatanka is Niles. <laughs> John, you can Photoshop that for me, please. Okay, okay. Actually, what I want the subject answer this for me. If Matthew had blonde hair, wouldn't he be just like Niles? Ooh, that's a good I mean, question. Like the, actually, I think I mean, he the might same be a little dour bit. charm. <laughs> he might be a little bit. <laughs> I can see that. I think that'd be. I think that's a thing to happen. Lex Luger versus Chad Miller. Chad Miller is one weird-looking man. He is an odd-looking... Do you know what? Do you know what? I, I actually wrote a uh, a description of this, and I thought... Okay. And I don't want to be mean, because I don't like just ragging on people for, uh, okay. for, for their looks. But the best way to describe Chad Miller, he looks like a first attempt at a Rob Van Damme creator wrestler. <laughs> Remember those action figures from Jax that sweated? <laughs> He looks. He's a, he's a sweaty action figure. He's like the he's like the RVD version of that, like <laughs> like, like slightly mutated. 
good shout. <laughs> so DiBiase confronts Luger in the aisle because it's the um, it's the DiBiase show, as we've established. Seems satisfied with the conversation. DiBiase asks him, like, you know, are you going to sell? And then Luger's like, hell no. And, then, and DiBiase was, was amused by that. So during this match, which is all arm bars, I should probably should point out, DiBiase's interviewed in some random corridor because this is a very small building. So he says he told Lex, don't worry about a thing. <laughs> okay. Still very dodgy. Still don't, but I don't think he, I think he sold out. Personally, I think he sold out. Well, obviously he sold out because it's, DiBiase is making it very obvious that he sold out. So obviously he sold out. Luger's really working the arm in this match. <laughs> and then we come to, if you want to know just how little of a, of, of a crap Luger gives, you know that move where you have someone by the by the hips and you push them into the ropes, but they grab on the ropes, and, but they grab onto the ropes and you roll backwards off of it. Yes. Okay. Lex is doing that to Chad Miller here. Miller hooks the ropes. Luger does the most woeful backward roll you've ever seen. That? Like he like he fell on his hip and kind of just did the, like a little sideways tumble, then got up. <laughs> <laughs> This is fluid in the way that a brick is fluid. <laughs> he was as fluid as a sack of potatoes here. Oh, the, every time I see Luger, I, I just have another reason to think, why on earth did Vince think this was the guy outside of his physique? Because, like, from the wrestling in this match to the performance in the Heartbreak Hotel, he doesn't exude anything that makes me think top star. Like, Nothing. Like Hogan doing this, regardless of what you think of Hogan at this point, Hogan playing this role would have just been infinitely more charismatic. Oh, I mean, I mean, Hogan exudes charisma, and Luger's just as dry as the desert. And this is your, as this was your the top guy. <laughs> oh Jesus, yeah, this is your top guy, nearly your top guy. It was rest hold city, <laughs> but I mean, I was feeling bad for Miller for a little bit. Because Luger's just armbar, hammerlock. I realized it was for the best. Because Miller gets some offense in. He gets jumping kicks. <laughs> I mean, like, he's doing, he's, he's doing, like, these ballet pose, jump up and kick in the abdomen kicks. So like, weird. Such a weird set of moves for him. <laughs> it's, it's like... It's like he's learned to use his legs for the first time and has no idea what to do with them properly. <laughs> so Luger has to use the illegal form to smash to beat Chad Miller because Chad Miller was a threat. Miller is a beast. I don't blame him. I will say, you can't even hear Luger's music over the heat machine. It was completely drowned out. <laughs> they had to They had to give it a little bit of emphasis. <laughs> All you hear is just... <sighs> dun, dun, you know, they... they, they the hair dryer. Now you're still too loud. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
we go to the SummerSlam report with uh, our good friend Todd Pettengill, who is dressed mostly tastefully this week. It's not a bad, mostly. not a bad uh, ensemble he's got going on. It's very of the time. It's very of the era. I mean, it still is very 1994 talk show hostish. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't really criticize it too much. It, he was just following the trends, very lemmingish. The entire card is now set for this show. Are you excited? Oh, mate. Hit me with that SummerSlam card. Before you do, actually, how surprised were you to realize, and I hadn't really been paying attention to this bit, SummerSlam on a Monday night? That's how it was for the first seven years. I never knew that. First seven SummerSlams were on Monday nights. Seems so weird. Like, I thought WrestleMania on two nights was weird. SummerSlam on a Monday? (laughs) Seems very strange. Here's a random fact that will not impress anyone, especially at parties, but you, you throw it at them anyway. At one point in the early 90s, they had six consecutive pay-per-views that were all on different days of the week. Oh, really? Yes, yeah, Survivor Series 90, Thursday night, Thanksgiving night. And then the 91 Rumble, a Saturday. Oh. Had to do with the NFL playoffs, so they had on the Saturday night. WrestleMania oh. 7, Sunday, in a traditional spot. SummerSlam 91, Monday, which was traditional for the time. Survivor Series 91 was a Wednesday night because they moved to Thanksgiving Eve. And then this Tuesday in Texas a week later, Tuesday, of course. Well, of course, Tuesday in Texas. That was the... It was on a Friday, apparently. Mm, Well, it just just seems strange. I guess, you know, no no reason why it can't be. It just seems strange. And, And that is your random... Useless fact of the week. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, we have a song for that. Like, it's some sort of sting. Because I am full of useless information. <laughs> now, speaking of... Well, actually, this was, I won't call this card useless. So this is actually a pretty good SummerSlam. Um, how about we run down this card a little bit? Yeah, let's, 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 chat, let's chat through. Let's do, let's do predictions for SummerSlam 1994. Well, I know the results. Let's see what you know, <laughs> see what you know though. Okay. Okay. First, first we should point out that it is, of course, delivered by Domino's. Nice shot of a deep dish with peppers, sausage, and pepperoni. I predict that'll be in my mouth in a minute. I predict it won't be because it doesn't deliver that fast. Damn it! Okay, so, so we're 0 for 1 so far. All right. Undertaker versus Undertaker. I'm picking Undertaker. Okay. Good pick. Thanks. Safe pick. I should point out that Pettengill with a straight face says, two awesome figures from a parallel universe. <laughs> Sunny doing prank calls in WPLJ isn't so bad. <laughs> I seem to remember this. And Bret Hart versus Owen Hart inside a 15-foot high steel cage for the world championship. I'm predicting Undertaker. Um... <laughs> Uh, this is Brett, but it'll be the the match of the night. Uh, correct on both counts. Yay! <laughs> Todd, Todd says we know supporting Brett. I wrote we do. Because <laughs> if you know real life, then uh, Bruce is Captain Subterfuge. Uh, Intercontinental title, Diesel versus Razor Ramon. Um, oh, actually... I don't think I know the results of this because I know obviously Razor does have a couple of runs with the belt again. I just don't know whether he has one now. I'm going to say Razor wins. 
Well, perhaps we shouldn't spoil too much, yeah. given that people might be following. I'm predicting Razor wins. We get footage from last week's show of Sean and Diesel running the double team on Razor. And we find out that Razor's going to have backup at SummerSlam. It's not the 1-2-3 kid. It is not Ludwig Borga. It is Pro Football Hall of Fame running back Walter Payton. Of course! That's who I was thinking of! Payton's going to be there! Well, I got, I'll tell you this much. It is not a bad use of a celebrity when it plays out. There is worse. There has been worse. This is actually not bad at all. Peyton did a pretty good job. What are we supposed to do? And given the fact that it was Chicago where he's a big star, you can kind of understand why they did this. Easy pop. One of the greatest running backs of all time. And on top of that, a damn humble human being and a great human being on top of it. In fact, the NFL's big award, the Walter Peyton Man of the Year is named in his honor. Mm-hmm. For his, for his nobility and his charity work. Nice. Now for the undercard, we have Lex Luger versus Tatanka. Um, oh, I believe this is Tatanka. And something bad happens. We find out the ultimate payoff to the Luger Searles out story. And it will shock you. Of course something bad happens. They wrestle each other. <laughs> when... Women's Championship, Alundra Blaze versus Bull Nakano. Uh, Nakano, I'm going to say. I think it'll be a really fun match. Mabel versus Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> uh, this will be a thing boy, that happens. Boy, that came out of left field. Boy, that came out of left field, didn't it? It really did. I think Jarrett will win, though. According to The Observer, we, we didn't know this earlier, it was supposed to be Kid versus Jarrett, but Kid's legit injured. Oh, so so an obvious replacement is Mabel. When you think well, of the yeah. one, two, three kid, who could replace him? Mabel. You could have got a segment out of that. I don't know whether they did on, on Superstars or Challenge or whatever. You could have got a great segment out of that with Jeff Jarrett going, Ah, the one, two, three kid, he's injured. He's not facing me. I can't wait to see which pint size nobody is going to face me at SummerSlam. Out comes Mabel. Oh, damn. That would have been a great segment. <laughs> Little cheap one and done. That builds your match. Oh, it could have been, but no. <laughs> and and for the world tag team titles, the Head Shrinkers versus Bam Bam Bigelow and Erwin R. Scheister. Uh, Head Shrinkers to win this, I think. Um, but it builds. It continues the road to building Money Inc. That's actually not the worst show on paper they could have had. It actually isn't terrible. It could have been worse. Yeah. Really could have been worse. That's the best we could say about this show. IRS and Bam Bam Bigelow versus Tatanka and Doink the Clown. Okay, before we get into the rigors of this match. Um, thank you to those on the Facebook, the official fan page, and on Twitter uh, for getting in touch over the last seven days. We asked you to come up with a name for the tag oh team of Tatanka and Doink the Clown. <laughs> Um, this makeshift bit of nonsense, and Justin, they have they have done us proud this week. Uh, well, I don't know about proud, given the fact that if, if you're going for the con, I, I, I realized something. If you're going for the combo name for Tatanka and Doink, <laughs> then whatever you come up with for for Tatanka's half has to make reference to his um his on-screen persona, which is he's a proud Native American. 
So whatever you come up with for Tatanka's half of the name has great potential to be very offensive. <laughs> you have to be very careful. Uh, very delicate. So I picked the non-offensive ones. Um, well, well, let's hear both of them. <laughs> the legendary JF gives us reserved laughter. I will admit that kind of made me laugh a little <laughs> bit, but I will say good wordplay, but that's all I can say okay. about that. Uh, Tom Sartain gives us clown shops. All right, that's actually fine. Because uh, it sounds like something would come up for, for punishment. Like, uh, for like a paper punishment. Oh, oh, third punishment, clown shops. Clown shops. Oh, the third one is clown shops. We don't know what. <laughs> no one's ever got clown shops. We'll try it. Um, Michael Hunter offers us Hey There, Ha Ha, which is a play <laughs> on Hey There, Hiya. Or, or Hey, How Are You, oh. as Bobby Heenan would say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next. Noah Madison Arnold gives us Village People 2.0. All right, that's actually not bad. All right, that in it. Stuart Jones uh, and actually Mark Mayhew Jr. both have the same one. The Indian Clown Posse. Yeah, that's actually... Uh, it's good that, in right. it? It's good that. <laughs> Tom Wilson. Laugh of the Mohicans. <laughs> Okay, that's clever. It's good in it. <laughs> oh, I'm on pins and needles here. Keep going. Jack Dawes new <laughs> gives us clown boys and Indians. <laughs> okay. Uh, James David Salisbury running gag. Not bad. Right, Not then. bad. Uh, Joe L M with the tank and prank connection. <laughs> All right, that's actually. That managed to scurry around all, all potential offense and was actually clever. Uh, I don't know whether we need to pronounce it the Tonk and Pronk connection, but that'll do. I think it's prank. Uh, Chris Turland gives us Slam Doink. What does that mean? Slam Dunk, innit? I, I guess so, but what is, where does Slam come in for the Tonka? Does his, is his finisher not a fall away Slam? Oh no, it's a, it's a, it's oh, not, it's a Samoan drop in it. I've done a JR. Ho ho. Um, yeah, yeah, yours is rubbish, Chris. Um, <laughs> not really, mate. Love you. Uh, and a shout to finally, uh, Stephen Fergie Ferguson, Charlie Mason, Jermaine Blackburn, Duncan J, Gaz David, Price Stevens, who have all said the same one, which was the most popular answer of the competition to Doinka. Yeah, that's just lazy. That is lazy. But thank you all for trying to. <laughs> I think <laughs> Laugh of the Mohicans. That actually is clever. He's really that, good. That's, uh... But, I mean, to Toynga, that's like when um, when Tyler Breeze and Fandango join your team. It's like the fashion place is a good name for them. It made sense, but, but it's, it's like why would two guys who were vain call themselves Breezango? Yeah. It's just so – it's like I get the idea of, of, of these dumbass uh, – common names like you know right back soul because it's like you know why come up with a real name for them that could be you know thrown away and wasted on teams only around for like two months or whatever and it's like let's, let's just combine their names and like here's rocky man kind of be rock kind <laughs> it's a bit lazy just, isn't it? yeah it's overdone unless you're like a power couple that's gonna be around together for a long time then don't do it mm well, thank you very much for your suggestions on the social medias. Uh, we will no doubt call upon you again another time. Yes, with something a little bit, uh, a little less edgy, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> All 
So we have, a, as I noted, a lot of DiBiase on this show. Savage references board stock 94 because this is the part of the show where we point out topical references. And then Vince gets in on the act by laughing at the idea that baseball could have a strike soon. And in fact, they did. They did. And in fact, we referenced that again even deeper next week. Oh, boy. Oh. Like, ha ha, labor you. <laughs> No labor unions here. We never, we never take off. Even when there's a virus going around, <laughs> we never take time off. As we stand on the precipice, do you know what? Do you know what? Right, there is talk that WWE could announce an off season next week if they can't get somewhere to film future WWE shows. How fitting would it be, Justin, if you and I sit down here this time next week whilst WWE mock baseball's off season during the WWE's off season? That's uh. Quite ironic. Quite ironic that the timing lines up perfectly. Alarmingly fitting. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be very fin- interesting to see what happens. Savage has the audacity to say IRS is one of the best. <laughs> so I know he's giving up. <laughs> we know he's not even trying today. Especially when there's an Irish whip in the corner. It's a very weak, basic Irish whip, and Savage informs us that the. That he turned Michael moved 14 feet on that Irish whip. <laughs> Vince, and then Vince, showing she's paying attention, tells us he's impressed by Tatanka and Doink's teamwork so far. They haven't even done anything together yet. There's like one tag. They've literally tagged once and they hugged before the match started. That is all they've done. Yes, they busted out total elimination on IRS. <laughs> Which would be very, very impressive to see. That'd be incredible. I can make that happen on Fire Pro. And why haven't you? Well, I haven't gotten that far yet, but I you will. <laughs> this is kind of a weird match because like Bam Bam's like the heel in peril for a while. You got Bam Bam selling for Tatanka and the clown. <laughs> There's a funny spot in the middle of the match though where Tatanka he 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 keeps running he keeps running up and hitting Bigelow and running up and hitting Bigelow. And he runs off the ropes, and IRS is supposed to pull the ropes down so that he falls over. Well, either he didn't pull him down enough, or Tatanka just didn't get enough height. Because Tatanka springs back into the ring, and has to just clothesline Bam Bam again. And they come up with a new way for him to fall to the floor. Messy nonsense. This is a tape show, you couldn't have edited around that. You could have, you could have easily, if you actually spent a bit more time, fixed it. You've had weeks to do it. But alas, here we are. <laughs> Alright, Chrissy, we're ready to record... Krusty? He's already left. <laughs> this is such a mess because the heat machine forgot the cheer for the hot tag. <laughs> this, they they, they busted that bad boy out. I think they're paying off uh, quite a bit of it at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, they blew it out during the Luger match, I think. <laughs> they're too busy winding it during that spot. So don't so actually... Actually, hits this nice power slam on IRS, but it's all for naught because um, he gets finished off with an Enzu Giri right off combo, which would actually be a badass finisher for these that two. That looks that looked really strong actually, and the old double whammy. When when wrestlers merge their finishers, it can be very very fun, and this worked fine for them. Depends who it is, but here it does. Yeah, it's kick to the back of the head, clothesline, and boom, finish. It was just a match though, just very basic stuff. But then we get we get a little bit of fun afterwards because the, because uh, the corporation double teams Atanka for his malfeasance toward DiBiase, outruns Luger. 
Vince yells, Luger cleans house, after Bam and Iris has voluntarily left. <laughs> yeah, he didn't touch them, did he? No, they just got him and said, well, well, enough of this crap, and just walked out. Yeah, Luger cleans house, yes. So DiBiase puts money in Luger's hand. Tries, they're, 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 they're having this little um, little powwow against Luger's will. And in all this confusion, a battered Tatanka backs into Luger, who's holding the money. Ah, the old misunderstanding. Frazier season five. <laughs> and he, and so, I love that he starts getting so angry with Lex Luger. He starts doing a war dance. Yes, they're face to face doing the, doing the big stare down. Then the Tonga starts tapping his foot and bobbing up and down. I'm just uh, like, oh, he's getting mad now. <laughs> it's like it's like his version to of to the moon, Alice from Ralph Cramden. It's just so funny. John, I want to tonk on the honeymooners. <laughs> Do it, John. You've had a quiet one this week. <laughs> So the tongue starts yelling, you sold out. So he's like the original ECW fan. <laughs> Man, the tongue at the front row in Philadelphia. Oh, uh, in full gear. <laughs> Channing, you effed up Sabu. You sold out. You sold out. You sold out. He invented the chant. <laughs> but we have an oasis in the desert here because next week's roll. Owen Hart versus the one, two, three kid who is apparently healthy enough for that match. Oh, yes, of course, because he's not making SummerSlam, but he's going to be all right. I presume this is the big, big old block of tapings that we're still in next week, though. No, actually, it's a fresh taping next oh, week. Oh, interesting. Because on this taping right here that we're doing, it's it's two, it's two roles and then SummerSlam Spectacular. Oh, okay. Which is on, because there is no role for August, uh, what date is it? August 22nd. We could do that instead of roll. Because because that is on the network. I think we should do that instead of Raw. Yeah, because... Thank God, because we're getting Diesel versus Typhoon on that show. Oh, yes! So we're definitely doing My it My body's now. ready for that! No, it's not. <laughs> no, the hell it isn't. Speaking of stuff we're not ready for, we go to the King's Court. Now, this, in theory, this is supposed to be a debate of sorts between Owen Hart and his much older brother, Bruce, a.k.a. the superior heart. Oh, here we go. Now, Tom, we know your feelings on Bruce Hart. <laughs> we made them very clear. <laughs> I, I, I believe before we start recording here, we compared it to, if you, if you crack the door open for Bruce, he drives a tank. Right? <laughs> yes, this is, this is like you give him an inch and he takes a country. Bruce Hart is great at doing one thing, and that is getting Bruce Hart over. And he's so and he's every, so good at that. He he makes the most of every opportunity there is. So much so. <laughs> Remember WrestleMania 26 when he was just a referee for his brother's match against Vince. Whose bright idea was that? <laughs> Vince. After seeing this, he still thought involving Bruce in a role where he could get ideas above his station is still a good idea. <laughs> Bruce is wearing his bad company sunglasses indoors <laughs> at age 60. <laughs> After the match, Brett walks over Vince's back and Bruce has to do the same just because he wants to be cool too. <laughs> that was 
that was that was Bruce in a nutshell. Remember SummerSlam '93 when Bruce Hart went off of the um, apron on the lull while he was on the treasury and did that half-assed plancha? Oh God, yeah, Jesus! Like, why are we giving this man television time? Because he's clearly a liability. Well, I think it's part of the fun because it, it's the whole anything could happen in the WWF when Bruce is there. Anything can happen when Bruce start. Pritchard turns up. Bruce Pritchard. When Bruce Hart turns up. <laughs> I mean, when Pritchard turns up as well. Mom, usually, but it's very infantile for the most part. So we get Owen and Nightheart out first. Nightheart wearing the rare all-black tights. Nice, good that look. Very 80s look, but I'm, I'm down with it. Owen tells us that the dungeon has 15-foot-high walls. Possible slight exaggeration. If you've seen the Shamrock match from 1998, I'd say it's probably about eight, nine foot at the most. It is basically a garage. It is a garage. It's a car hold. It's a, it is, it's a basement. It's a basement. It's, 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 <laughs> don't make it out to be like a bamboo, like, like concrete, a bamboo prison. It's not. It's, uh, it's, it's not it's that. Owen Hart grew up in the Punjabi prison. <laughs> it says he used to beat up Brett until Brett ran to their dead. Get some footage of Owen beating Brett at WrestleMania and then uh, winning the King of the Ring. So Owen then claims that all the hearts are on his side now. And this prompts a, a, a running of sorts from Bruce Hart. I know you're excited. <laughs> wow. This is amazing. So, I, Brett, so Owen has claimed that Bruce is on his side. And I'm sure Bruce is going to play it very subtle initially and then start to give the inclination that he's not. I'm sure this is going to be incredibly subtle, masterful mic technique. Well, what happens is first the crowd boos Bruce, which they didn't even bother editing out because I'm sure Vince thought it was funny. <laughs> it was actually, though. <laughs> so Bruce is already talking over Lawler. Like Lawler's like Lawler, Lawler trying to play... Um, ringmaster here is trying to keep everything in order. It's like a border collie. No, Bruce is just... He's cutting his own promo. Starts telling Owen off. Says says Owen sold them out at Survivor Series. And then he cheated at WrestleMania 10. Okay, I have some questions here. Um, how did he sell them out at Survivor Series? He had an argument with his brother. Over the finish. And then he beat Brett cleanly at WrestleMania 10. So what's up with this narrative uh, altering? This is just uh, Bruce just coming up with his own nonsense, isn't it? He's just rambling. He's just rambling. Well, Bruce, well, Bruce is a creative guy. <laughs> he really is. But it's clear that this promo had other places it needed to go because mm -hmm. Bruce is Bruce immediately gets the mic and is shouting at Owen. Uh, Jerry Lawler tries to steer the conversation back. Bruce grabs the mic again, shouts at Owen some more. Then Neidhart starts talking. And it's like he's going to lead somewhere. He's, and, he, and suddenly Bruce cuts him off as well. Just shouting the same old rhetoric, getting big pops from the crowd. Right, he's got so excited that they now have to cut to break and they've got to nothing that they needed to get to. Yeah, it was... I mean, and Bruce is full of fire, which is good. At least you know he—he's uh—he's energetic. He's bringing some bringing some life to the show. Called Owen a disgrace to the family. Said Nightheart was jealous of Brett for carrying the team. 
and Lawler's trying to maintain order as best he can. Like you see where he's not the king here. He's just he's Jerry trying to do his job and do what's asked of him, but but Bruce ain't having it. Then Vince has to <laughs> there was like, We're we're gonna break we're gonna start this out, we're gonna start this out and they go to break. This was a tape show and that's the best they that could do. That was the best tape they had. Like they couldn't even get that in, in like truly watchable form. Incredible. Incredible. Bruce didn't do much of the company after this. I'm Until he refereed a match at WrestleMania. I think Vince must have oh. forgotten. Oh, yeah. Bruce is the liability. Oh, I thought it was Kevin. Oh, wait till we get to a Canadian stampede. Oh, oh God. Oh, yeah. We've got stampede to go, haven't we? Oh, God. When Bruce Hart becomes the unintended MVP of the match. Oh, my God. God, but whether anybody else wanted him to be or not, <laughs> whether he wants to or not, yes, thanks, kid. <laughs> Get a new generation ad, one that makes fun of Hogan. I guess the Bash of the Beach buy rate rankled some feathers in the company. Oh, this is like the old Bruce and Andre, and here's the new Tatanka. Oh, great! It's a good trade off that. <laughs> and so we go from the new generation ad to. Bob back. I know. Now, to be fair, her background was presented as the antithesis, like intentionally presented as the antithesis of the new generation. But I think even Vince McMahon saw how foolhardy it was putting a Bob Backler match on immediately after a new generation ad, because he was so <laughs> quick to point out, well, the new generation, well, Bob, Bob Backlund's not part of the new generation. <laughs> Very quick to distance himself from Backlund. There was that. It's Backlund versus Kevin Kruger. And Backlund immediately endears himself to me by by wearing a Bacon Academy sweatshirt to the <laughs> ring. What's Bacon Academy? Apparently it's a real school. I guess the man's last name was Bacon. He's the one that endowed the school or whatever. Or it's named in his honor. But still, Bacon Academy sounds awesome. I want to go to Bacon Academy. <laughs> the Academy of Bacon. The Academy of Bacon. Wait, what would you study at the Academy of Bacon? Nothing, you just eat bacon. <laughs> Sounds good. So Kruger blows off a handshake early on. Backlund tries to be a sportsman. Kruger's like, no, I'm not doing that crap. So Backlund starts busting out his takedowns and happy dances. thus making me happy also. <laughs> Get the fireman's carry and celebrates. See, all NFL players who celebrate touchdowns in the end zone, they got it from Backlund. Do something mundane, dance. It's the old fizzle, the, the old booty-shaking dance from Backlund that really gets people's gander up. That's how I would dance in the end zone if I could. <laughs> it's, it's, this match is just takedown city. Crowds had it with this match. It's on the boring chance. We want Brett chance. They're fed up, aren't they? They're not having this. Chant, we want Bruce. <laughs> we were all Getting back out here to heal. We were all chanting, "We want Bruce." By the end of this night, we all want Bruce to go away. So while so while they're chanting, "We want Brett," Kruger's cheerleading him, trying to get his pop now. <laughs> There's a lot of stalling at this point. Backlund's annoyed at the fans. He goes to the middle rope to admonish them. Why isn't Kruger attacking? <laughs> he had all the time in the world to just run up and hit Backlund from behind. But no, he back and gets back down because now he's disillusioned by the crowd. 
and immediately Kruger misses something, back hooks in the chicken wing and wins. Kruger, out of nowhere. Chicken wing out of nowhere. This is like the RKO. <laughs> Kruger, Kruger was the epitome of the dumb baby face here. Run up and pull him off the buckle. Give him like the razor's edge or something. Just finish him off. But no. Just dumb. And very quick finish. There's Bob. All tied up. Ties him up in the chicken wing. Thank you very much. The end. He holds it on for a while. He's he, He's got the orgasmic eyes. Rolls off. Starts staring at his hands again. Can't believe what he's done. It, it's it's going to take a little bit, but this is going to catch yeah, on. Yeah, we're going to get somewhere good with this. I promise you. We're going to go. We're in a, we're going in a good direction with with Backland. Oh, wait until I start transcribing his promos. Oh, don't you exacerbate me! <laughs> you kids don't eat that marijuana now. <laughs> the, the youth of America. So next week's show, we have Kid versus Owen. We got DiBiase and Paul Bear on the King's Court. Oh, I keep, a lot of DiBiase on these shows. But then we come to this big scene at the end that Vince apparently foresaw. We're going to catch up with Lex Luger as he bursts into DiBiase's locker room and he finds Nikolai Volkov holding up a random tuxedo jacket on a, on a hanger. <laughs> Nikolai's happy to see him. So then five seconds later, Tatanka runs in behind Luger. Oh, you're in here now. Oh, I see how it is. And, and there's a big argument, and that's the end. We end on a Frasier, which is nice. <laughs> yes, Luger's singing about tall salads and scrambled eggs. <laughs> John, uh, I, I know it's it, this is quite a, quite a big request. That final sequence with Luger in the locker room and then Tatanka coming in and shouting at him, can you mute out all the audio and just layer tossed salad and scrambled eggs over it? Maybe some credits? <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like that would work. <laughs> Or you could just do the um, Curb Your Enthusiasm song. That'll do too. That'll do as well. Either <laughs> either or. Either or. <laughs> Curb your cold off baby face. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Commit to the song. Sing it all the way through. No. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Raw this week. Definitely not Raw from last week. Oh, yeah. That was... Uh, it was... It was quick and it was ugly, (laughs) to be fair. I mean, I got through a no problems, but my goodness. Yeah, it's uh, it's a ropey old time at the moment. We're a couple of weeks away from... What does it look like a bad SummerSlam card, to be fair? Yeah, it's good on paper, but paper's not how it's decided. If I recall, it was a pretty solid SummerSlam. It was all right, but it was... uh, Mm. Wasn't the best, but we're on the road. On the road to SummerSlam. Indeed. So that'll do it for this week on the Coltaholic Classic Raw Review. Uh, we'll do it again next week. I just love the fact that next week we, when we could be having a shutdown of WWE, we'll know this time next week, we are going to be talking about another sporting shutdown on, on Raw. I love how that's timed. It's, uh, it is funny the circles that these shows move in when we, uh, when certain planets align, so to speak. Mm, so we shall move in circles next week. Until then, he is at JRH Writing on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Enjoy night one of WrestleMania, starting in a couple of hours. It's going to be a hot mess, and I love it. 
Love you, bye. Boo! Hi, me again. Uh, two things. One, thank you. You have been amazing over the last couple of weeks, uh, despite all that is going on in this stupid world at the moment. Uh, we are so proud to still be a part of your weekly routine. Um, lots and lots are still listening to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review that myself and Justin Henry do. We've been doing it for nearly two years now, which is madness. Madness, I tell you. But we couldn't be happier. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to our nonsense on a, on a weekly basis. We genuinely couldn't do it without you. And a massive thank you as well to you if you are listening to this and you are on the front line of all the, the silliness in the world that is currently going on. You are doing amazing things, whether you are a doctor, a nurse, a cleaner, whether you're working in retail, whether you're driving public transport, whatever you're doing that puts you out in the world, the little things and the big things that you are doing that keep our world turning will never be able to repay the debt of gratitude to you ever. Thank you so, so much. Secondly, um, we finished the podcast. Uh, we normally record the podcast on a Friday and then I schedule it. And then I probably don't think about it until probably the Saturday when I realised I put the date in wrong. Uh, that's the next time I think about the podcast. But it is 5.34pm. Podcast is due up in 25 minutes. And I have to re-upload it because Mike Stanley at Stale Dog on Twitter has reached out with something that I think is very much worth your ears. Last week, we made the joke that the Shawn Michaels Razor Ramon uh, video package, the promo with the soft focus uh, visuals made it look like sort of an album cover from the 80s of like a romantic song. And then Justin popped up with, uh, the, with the song title Wind Beneath My Click. Obviously a play on Wind Beneath My Wings. And we all had a hearty laugh. Mike Stanley, who is an absolute legend, went one further, right? Mike Stanley wrote a song... <laughs> called Wind Beneath My Click. And it is based on a, a silly off-the-cuff joke that myself, Justin Henry, and William R. Washington made last week. And I've asked him, and he's happy for me to play it, and we're going to play it for you in its entirety right now. Wind Beneath My Click, brought to us by Mike Stanley. You can find him at Stale Dog with two Gs on Twitter. Shower that man with love, and I will speak to you very soon. Love you, bye. We've had control here from long ago. Whether we were heel or baby face. Vince was content to hear Sean whine. Of course he was. Won't job if we aren't so inclined. As our group got all the glory We'll bury others at any lane Forfeiting belts is the same As being pinned, right? He lost his smile and had me pain Never know that you're my Chico. Nobody's going over me. I'll book myself strong. To
till my knee blows. You are the wind beneath my Wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes. Search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. <laughs> 